The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast in America presented by Edge Boost. Edge Boost enables you to double your bet with no interest. Go to sportsgamblepodcast.com slash edge to get started today. And welcome everybody to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast in America. It is currently Monday night and it is May 22nd. I'm your host, as always, Scott Rachel. Once again, going solo for this pod. Should be a fun episode because we do have two tournaments to preview. We have a tournament taking place in Lyon and a tournament taking place in Geneva. So we have two tune-up events, so to speak, for the French Open, and it should definitely be a lot of fun. But also want to talk about a milestone on the actual uh, channel or on the podcast. We have officially broken the triple-digit episode barrier. This is episode 100, and I talked about it earlier on the 99th episode, but we are going to be doing a giveaway for the 100th episode. We'll be giving away a $50 gift card to the SGPN merch store, and if you want to enter that, just leave a review, and you can send me a screenshot of that review on Twitter, and then I'll end up, or I'll do some type of randomizer, and I'll end up picking a review. So the winner of that will get a $50 SGPN gift card, free to enter, of course. All you have to do is leave a review, but that will be the actual giveaway we have for this occasion. But once again, uh, thank you to all of you who've been listeners to the pod, either for a long period of time, or even if you're new. Appreciate the fact that you've enjoyed enough to stick around. And hopefully we cash a lot more bets moving forward. But I wanted to quickly say thank you to all of you. Fun moment crossing the 100 episode barrier. And hopefully we also cross it with a couple of outright winners as well as a couple of lock and dog winners. But before I get into any of the tournament previews, do want to recap how we did on the last show. Unfortunately, we did go 0-2 in the final there in Rome. We had Rune to win the match at minus 133. As the, on the money line as the lock, and we had Rune minus one and a half games in the first set at plus 110 as the dog. Unfortunately for us, Rune was very competitive in both sets. He had an opportunity in both sets as well, but just could not convert. I believe he was up 1540 on one of Medvedev's service games in the first set, and then Medvedev proceeded to not miss a first serve for the rest of the game as Medvedev held on. That was really the only chance Rune had in the first set, and then eventually he fell apart and got broken to lose the first set. And then on top of that, you had the second set, which was also very, very close. But Medvedev was just a bit too uh, consistent, and Medvedev kept the ball in play, waited for Rune to hit some unforced errors. And as a result, Medvedev ended up kind of waiting for Rune to self-destruct. And that sums up how the actual match played out. But for the most part, got to give props to Medvedev. I know he could come on here and roast Rune for losing a winnable final. That stuff happens, and I know we lost some money in the process. But Medvedev went from being a guy who could not stand clay to being a Masters 1000 event winner on clay, which is a crazy turnaround for Medvedev. And as a result, his French Open odds have plummeted. I believe he was around 20 to 1 last week, and now he's around 12 to 1. So a lot of people like Medvedev, at least now, on clay and it could potentially be an open field now that Nadal is out, and you have Alcaraz and Djokovic. We know Djokovic hasn't exactly been that great on clay this year, but Medvedev has officially, I'd say, exercised some demons on clay, and we'll see if that can translate well into three out of five set tennis. But I wanted to give props to Medvedev because I've seen a lot of players for a long time, probably their entire careers, struggle on a surface, and they never adjust to it. It's usually clay. Or grass, it's one of the two, because those are the most, I don't want to say exotic, but hard courts, I'd say the most basic 
of all tennis services. But I'm trying to think of examples. You have like Sampras on clay who never won anything. Isner on clay who never won anything. Did take Nadal to five sets one time in the French Open. But you get my point. Casper Root, if you want to go for recent examples on grass, some guys just never play well on a specific surface. And some of it could be because once they struggle in that particular surface, they don't really bother to play it. That's kind of what happened to Rude. And last year, I remember he lost to Peniston in the first round on the money line. And we actually liked Peniston in that match. And Rude basically said, I only like grass for the golfing. That was indirectly what the quote was. So the point is, some guys, mostly on grass, if they really struggle with one surface, they will just ignore it. And then when they do occasionally play it, they get killed because they have no experience playing on the on the actual uh, surface. Clay's a bit different because there is a pretty long clay season. But you have some guys, it used to be Americans. There were a lot of Americans who were really bad on clay, Roddick, for example, etc., who have to show up for clay because there was a couple of major tournaments on it, Masters 1000 events, and they would just get buried every time. Medvedev, though, being able to be a guy who constantly complained about the clay and a guy who really looked like occasionally giving bublik effort on clay turned a corner, and I got to give him props for it. So Medvedev is now, I'd say, officially a player for the French Open. You could argue he's a dark horse candidate, or maybe he's not a dark horse anymore because a lot of people like him and his odds have been steamed downward. But props to him for getting it done one more time. He's been incredible this entire year. And uh, hopefully can uh, hopefully keeps it rolling because he's a fun player to watch. And we'll see how he does in the rest of the season. And we'll see how he does in Roland Garros. But anyway, uh, moving on to the actual uh, previews for the tournament. Uh, we're going to start off growing in chronological order. I believe the event started roughly the same time. Also, I'm not going to preview it, but there are some French Open qualifying matches if you really do want extra tennis at like four in the morning. So you do have some other options there if you want to get some ultra degen tennis action in. But we're going to start off with Lyon. Uh, these tournaments are separated by roughly half an hour, and Lyon will be starting at 5 a.m. Gen uh, Geneva will be starting at 5.30 a.m. Eastern Time. So we're going to start off with Lyon, starting off with the actual history of the event like we always do it's a pretty recent event because it's only been around four or five years they skipped 2020 because of covid so you had cam nori who won last year beating Mulcan in the final you had Sitsipas beating nori in 2021 you had benoit pair yeah that's right beating felix in 2019 you had team beating simone in 2018 and sanga beating burdich in 2017 so to go through the actual odds for this event, no surprise here, but you see uh, Nori as the favorite, which once again isn't exactly too surprising because Nori did make the final in each of the last two years, including being the most recent champion. So I'm not exactly shocked that he is the favorite. Does he enter this tournament in good form? Not really, but I still have to at least point out it makes sense conceptually that he has the lowest odds because he did win this event last year and he's made deep runs each of the last two years. But you have Kekmanovic as the second favorite at plus 500. Once again, I feel like that's going to kind of sum up the actual field talent in this event if Kekmanovic is the second favorite at 5-1. to one. Not saying he's a bad player, but I think you know what I mean. He's ranked in basically the 20s. Usually you see him more in the 10 to 1 range or somewhere around there. Usually a bit larger than that, to be honest. But 5 to 1 tells you that a lot of players are kind of resting up for the French Open. It's why they had the 
week separating the Masters 1000 in Rome and the French Open, a lot of high, high quality players have taken the week off. So as a result, you have Nori as a tournament favorite, even though he's been underwhelming for the last couple of months. But Kikmanovic is five to one. Sarundalo is five to one. Felix is six to one. Draper's nine to one. Tommy Paul is ten to one. Fields is fourteen to one. If you want the local angle, Barreri sixteen to one. Diaz, uh, sorry, Baez is sixteen to one. Nagashima's eighteen to one. Kachin's eighteen to one. Yemmer's twenty to one. Fuksovic is twenty to one. Golfen is twenty to one. Rinder Knitch is 25 to 1. Varius is 33 to 1. And that's basically it. So, do I think you're going to see Nori win this event? I'm going to go with no, actually. Even though Nori has been good here, I got to go by recent form and where the value might lie. I can't make a case for Nori at this current price, especially with him facing off against Gofen in the second round. Gofen, I know he's had some injuries in the past, and you could argue about consistency issues, but he's on the verge of a potential upswing after he was really underwhelming to start the year. I think Golfin could actually give Nori some problems, and I do think Nori could be an upset alert relatively early on in this event. But you have Baez against Fuksovics. You have Monfi against Kachin. Now, we might return to the Kachin-Monfi match later. We'll see. Baez has not been in great form recently, but we know how good he can be on clay. Fuksovics can also be pretty good on clay. But the point is, I think Nori actually has a somewhat difficult path for what I mentioned before being a relatively easier field. So I'm not exactly interested. In Nori here, I don't see much value on it. And it's also weird that you have Kekmanovic and Sarundalo as the as the uh, second lowest odds together when they would be in line to play against each other in the third round, or I should say the quarters, because you have Kekmanovic facing off against Draper, and then you have Varias taking on Sarundalo. First of all, that's a region of death for Kekmanovic. You have to face off against Draper and then Sarundalo. That's an absolute catastrophe. So no chance I'd take Kekmanovic there. That's really just too difficult. I don't think you're gaining any value from that. Sarundalo, you can make a case for because he could face off against the winner, of Kekmanovic and Draper, so he only has to face off against one of those guys. But I think it's worth keeping in mind that for Kekmanovic's purposes, that's really a draw of death, and as a result, I'm not going to take it. Now, to look at my overall takeaways from the first day, I thought that Nagashima actually looked pretty good. Now, he was against Schwartzman. Schwartzman, I know, has been really, really useless this year, really no way around it, and I actually watched some of that match, and Schwartzman still can't serve. It's embarrassing. I believe in the first set, he won 11% of his second serve points. It was really a shame. Uh, Schwartzman was serving for the set at 5-4 and then proceeded to get broken. I got to remember what... I think he got broken four games in a row. And at that point, you're looking at him like, what are you even doing out there? There was one game, which I thought was pretty hilarious in the second set, where Nakashima had 10 break points on one Schwartzman service game. And the funny part about that was that Schwartzman didn't even have a game point. It went to deuce roughly nine times, and every time they were in the deuce court, Nakashima won the point. So Schwartzman gave up roughly 10 break points before he could get a single game point. He didn't even get a single game point, and Nakashima broke him. And then he ended up having a couple of break points to potentially get back into the match late, but Nakashima had a couple of big first serves and ended up dismissing those breakpoint chances for Schwartzman, and Schwartzman lost again. So yes, I do know that Schwartzman's still not great, but Nakashima did look pretty good. Maybe he can have a decent run here. I think the long shot for the actual local guys is going to be Barreri, who looked pretty good against, against Mutet. It's a matchup against Tommy Paul. I've mentioned several times Tommy Paul not the greatest on clay, 
But I think Pereri could be a little sneaky candidate there to make a deep run, especially if you want to back a Frenchman. And we've seen Benoit Pair win this event, for example. So crazier things have happened. But Pair's won this event before. Simone made the final. Sanga won the event. Now, I know Sanga was still, you know, a ranked player in 2017. And Simone was still a solid player in 2018. You could argue Pair was playing pretty good tennis at 20, in 2019. But the point is there have been some Frenchmen with some success here. That was not the case the last two years. But you still had Sitsipas and Nori, who were two top 10, top 20 guys. And you had Nori against Mulcan. And Nori, we know, is a top 20 guy. Mulcan is not, but that's kind of my point. Mulcan can be a Cinderella guy that you could make a case for. And if you want to go for the Frenchman, I think Brary might have a shot or maybe Fields. But when it comes to where the actual odds lie here, I think I'm going to have to actually make a case for a guy that I've been critical of for the entire season, basically. I think I have to consider Felix here, and I know that that sounds really dangerous, and it probably is, but you're looking at his draw compared to Nori, it is significantly more favorable. So Felix has to face off against Purcell or uh, Yamas Ruiz, and I'm sure most people don't know who Yamas Ruiz is. He was a qualifier. So you're assuming Felix will be a massive favorite to probably win in the round of 16. I didn't mention, by the way, he is a bye in the round of 32. Then he faces off against either Fields or Yemmer, it's actually a pretty good match between two athletic guys. I think that could be a lot of fun. But I do think you could see Felix have an advantage over both guys. Fields might be the kind of guy who would beat Felix because he has the crowd support. But Felix does have a big serve. And I do think that could definitely give him some free points in comparison to Fields. And I do think that Felix has the talent, of course, to get the job done. Felix will be favored in that match probably somewhat substantially. I don't think he'd be like minus 500, but maybe like minus 250. So you can make a case if Felix gets through Fields or Fields even loses to Yemmer, uh, Felix will be favored by a decent amount against both guys. And then after that, you're looking at either Tommy Paul, Bereri, Rinderknich, or Nakashima in the semis. And then the final, once again, he might face off against Nori or go from there. But the point is you have Kikmanovic, Draper, Sarundolo and Nori all in one half, and you have Felix in the other half with Nakashima and, and Tommy Paul. So I find that bizarre to me that I, I just feel like the Nori section is so much harder that based on the overall draw long term and short term, I got to take Felix at six to one. I know it's going to be dangerous. He did make the final here once again. Uh, just to repeat that, he made the final here back in 20. Uh, 19. So that was a while ago, but the point is he is familiar with this overall court. I do think his game translates well here, but it's mostly the draw. At 6-1, to one, I know I've been critical of Felix, but damn, that's a very good draw. So I'm going to take Felix at 6-1. to one. I think that that's definitely a good place to start. And as for the actual long shots here, I'm not really tempted by many guys in the bottom half. I thought about Draper. I've had issues with his overall durability throughout the course of the year which is why he's really not played many matches. But Draper, when he has played, has looked really good. So you can make a case for Draper, but once again, he's in that little quarter of death, so I'm not totally tempted to take him there. I think I'm going to be pretty light on the outrights because, once again, the actual draws are not pretty for the bottom half. But I do think if you want to go for talent, Baez at 16-1 to 1 makes a lot of sense. I know Baez has been underwhelming for the last couple of months, but still, plus 1,600, for a guy that could be very, very dangerous on any clay event and the field's relatively weak, I do think you can make a case that Baez has some value at 16 to 1. 
Do I want to give him out as a flyer? That's really the question because you know that I'm a big Baez guy, but the problem is he really has not been playing great tennis for the last month or so. So I'm a little bit on the fence here, but I have to at least point out the fact that he has a matchup against Fuksovic in the first round, which isn't easy, but he should beat Kachin or Monfi. So you're looking at that, then maybe a matchup against Nori. A little bit tricky there, so I think I am going to stay away, actually, from Baez. I wanted to do it, but I just couldn't pull the trigger on it. I think I, I will go with Barreri, though, as my other one. So we might have a spot where hopefully our two outrights play each other in the semis, and then we might be free-rolling somebody into the final. But I do think Barreri has a pretty solid path. He's against Tommy Paul. Paul's off a bye, but I don't think Paul's the great the greatest clay court player. And once again, Barreri isn't his home country, so he should have crowd support. But then he has a matchup against either Rinderknich or Nakashima. I think Barreri could beat either of those guys. I think Barreri is a pretty underrated clay player and player in general. And I think as a result, there's some value there. So once again, I'm going to go with a relatively short outright slate here for the uh, Leon tournament. I'm going to go with Felix at 6-1, to one, and I'm going to go with Barreri at 16-1. to one. That's really all I got. I don't see much else I'm tempted by. If you wanted the super long shot, I think it would. Be, I think I'd lean to Golfen if I actually needed a super long shot. But once again, Golfen, I haven't seen enough of a sample size to suggest his current form is here to stay, or I should say his recent upswing is here to stay. But he's facing off against Nori in his next match, and it's plus two thousand. But the point is, I do think that it's a pretty weak field. It could be up in the air, and we saw Molkan reach the final last year for reference. So give me Barreri to be my long shot, and give me. Uh, Felix at 6-1 to one to be my quote-unquote favorite. But moving on to the next tournament, going to talk about Geneva. And in this tournament, you also have one pretty decent favorite here, as you have Kaspar Ruud, who is around plus 240 to win the event. You have Zverev at 4-1. to one. You have Fritz at 450. You have Dimitrov at 7-1. to one. Jari at 11-1. to one. Zapata Marias at 11-1. to one. You have uh, Kachinato at 14 to 1, Baina at 18 to 1, O'Connell at 20 to 1, Giron at 22 to 1, Yibbing at 25 to 1, Greek Sport 28 to 1, Manorino at 28 to 1, Ivashka at 33 to 1, Wolf at 40 to 1. You get the point. I also didn't mention before, I do not have quarter odds for this event because some of the quarters already started. So apologies there, and we're going to have to live without the quarters this week. So we'll see uh, if we can win some outrights anyway. But if you're waiting for quarter breakdowns, I'm sorry, I don't have that. My quarter breakdowns are just going through the actual path of players I like to win the event and kind of making my case. But first things first, to go through the actual history here, this is basically the Root Invitational because he has won each of the last two years. And I think as a result, he's worthy of being the favorite despite being in weaker recent form. He did have Rune on the ropes in Rome before he kind of imploded there. He was up a break in the second set, and then once he blew the second set, it was over, and he got buried in the third set. But he's against... A, a, the issue with him, though, for Rude is that he actually has a pretty difficult draw to start the event. And I'd say my long shot, or my longer shot, is actually in line to play against Rude in the uh, quarterfinals. But Rude has a bye. Faces off against Delian or Wolf. I think Root should win either of those. Then he has a matchup against either Jari or probably Greek Spore. I thought Jari was really, really good against Lahovich this past morning. And the fact that he beat Lahovich 6-4-6-2, I think is impressive. Now, Jari, we know, can be an unforced error machine. And as a result, he's a bit, I'd say, volatile. 
But he looked really, really good in round one. And I think that if he can sustain that level, he can beat anybody. So I can't, I really, really wish Jari was in the other side of the bracket. And I easily would have given Jari out. I think I have to give him out anyway at 11 to 1 just because of the upside. And I know that Zverev, I mentioned before, he also won this event. And Zverev did win this event back in 2019. Uh, shout out to his brother, though, Misha, who actually made the final in 2017. Forgot about that guy. But... Zverev has been in really underwhelming form this year, and I keep fading him. There's no way in hell I'm going to take Zverev at plus 400. He should not have lower odds than Fritz. I don't believe that. Once again, Zverev's going to actually prove that he can win the, win the clay event after surgery. He's going to need to at least make a quarter or a semi. I mean, he's, he's losing relatively quickly in these events, too. So I don't have any faith in his overall tournament stamina. I don't have faith in him to actually make a deep run. His draw isn't bad per se, but I just can't trust him. And I feel like that's the most important part if you're going to take a guy at four to one and keep an eye on Yibbing potentially or Kachinato. I think one of those guys could potentially give Zverev some problems. So we'll see what happens. I think Zverev's going to beat uh, Eubanks. I'm not going to say Eubanks has a shot to really upset Zverev. I just think Eubanks was fortunate to get matched up against Benoit Pair, who we know is a psychopath. So that's not exactly a surprised that uh pair fell apart in that match but i do think that zverev against uh, yibbing or kechinato could be really fun and maybe keep an eye on zverev to get upset there but to go through the other guys here fritz his draw is not bad matchup against giron in the neck in the, his next uh match which isn't the easiest giron's actually been surprisingly decent on clay this year matched up against bublik yesterday we had prime bublik punting effort uh, where he showed up for the paycheck because Bublik lost the first set 6 nothing, and then started trying in the second set, still got broken at uh, 4-4, and then lost the second set 6-4. But it was a prime Bublik punt yesterday, so I'm not going to overreact how well Giron performed or how dominant he was because it really looked like Bublik wasn't trying at times. But he's been good on clay. I do think Fritz is going to win that match, though. Then he has a matchup against either Manorino, Pella, or Vashka. The point is comparing the overall draws. I do think that Fritz has a better draw than Zverev early on. And you're looking at who else he'd face off against in the semis. It would either be Zapata Marias, uh, it would either be O'Connell or Baina or Dimitra, but that's all in one quarter. So you're assuming those guys are going to kill each other, and then the winner of all that would have to face off against Fritz. So I do think if I had to pick one short favorite here, at least comparing Fritz to Zverev, I probably would take Fritz at plus 450 over Zverev at plus 400. Dimitrov, you know, I'm not taking, so I'm not going to bother at 7 to 1. Jari, I mentioned before, at 11 to 1. I'm somewhat tempted by Zapata Marias, who has been good on clay. And shout out to him, who actually took a set off Medvedev in Rome. But once again, you have Zapata Marias in that draw of death, and that kind of scares me because I do think he will be able to beat O'Connell. O'Connell, once again, has been a player that I've liked for a while, and we were really close to cashing a massive quarter bet with him a couple of tournaments ago. But I do think Zapata Marais is the better clay player, and the question is, do I think he can beat Dimitrov or Baina? I think Dimitrov's probably going to beat Baina. I wasn't over. I wasn't overly impressed by how Baina played against Rincon, but I do think that Zapata Marais could be worth a look at 11-1. to one. Uh, The only problem is he'd face off against Dimitrov or O'Connell, Dimitrov, and then Fritz. So it's not exactly the best draw for him. Looking at any potential long shots, I know once again he was taken to the brink and he actually had to fight off a match point earlier this morning. I thought Yibbing actually looked really good on clay. And who swore the home crowd 
Uh, so the could have played a factor there. But the point is, I do think that Yibbing, who I roasted earlier for being a bad clay player, which he was, the fact is, now that he's actually had a couple of clay matches under his belt, he's actually looked pretty comfortable, and that forehand is still devastating. So I do think that Yibbing actually has the skills to potentially make a bit of an impressive run here. He's got the stamina, he's got the quickness, he's got the forehand, even the backhand's pretty good. The serve can let him down, which is a problem, but it is clay. And he's, look at the guys in his region facing off against Ketchinato. He's not a great server either. It's a tough match, don't get me wrong, against Ketchinato. But I think if you want to make a case for a potential Cinderella, I actually think the winner of that match could potentially make a run here if you think that Zverev is vulnerable, or at least somewhat as vulnerable as I think, because I'm very low on Zverev. So I think Yibing at 25-1 to 1 might be worth maybe a flyer if you want to make a case for anybody else. Uh, just quickly looking at the draws one more time to see if there's anybody I can make a case for. I thought Manorino looked really good in his first-round match against Krajinovic. Now, Krajinovic has been a mess uh, just on the court this year, so I'm not going to overreact to it that much, but I thought Manorino looked pretty good. Has an unorthodox-style play, so you can make an argument. Maybe he can catch people off guard. Maybe Fritz isn't ready for his style of play, and maybe he can end up catching him by surprise. But for the sake of outrights, I'm going to have to give out Rude. I don't feel great about it, but once again, he's won this event each of the last two years. He's clearly the best clay player in the field. I do have to give him out at 240, even though his matchup against Jari could be a bit annoying in the early stages of the event. But I'm going to go with Rude at plus 240. I'm skipping Zverev. I think I'm going to skip Fritz at 450. I wish the odds were a little bit higher, but I don't think I can get there with him. I am going to take Jari at 11 to 1. I really like the form of Jari. I think he's the most likely dark horse candidate to win the event, especially if he continues to look as good as he did in the first round. But looking at everybody else, Zapata Marais, I'm tempted by at 11 to 1, but I really don't like the draw. So I think I'm going to pass on him. Do I want to talk about Ketchinato? I think Ketchinato can make a run, but I actually think Yibing is quite live to win that next match. But it's once again, it's pretty tricky because Ketchinato is a very good clay player. Uh, but, you know, I'm not interested in O'Connell. Shout out to him because I like him as a player. But 20 to 1, I don't think he's good enough to win this event. Giron, 22 to 1 pass. Yibing at 25 to 1. I'll put my money where my mouth is. I'll take a spin at 25 to 1. I thought he looked really good. And I know that the serve kind of let him down on occasion there. But I against Hussler. But I really do think he's figured something out on clay. And that forehand can really, really... Uh, get his opponents off balance and potentially take control of some rallies. So I'll go with Yibbing as my somewhat long shot, but my three outrights for the event are going to be on Rude at plus 240. I'm going to go with Jari at 11 to 1, and I'm going to go with Yibbing at 25 to 1. Yibbing probably has no chance to win the event, but I just like him as a player, and I think that he's shown some progress on clay, so I think he is a bit undervalued. I think in fields of this caliber, which is like a half insult in the future. I think Yibbing should be closer to like 2,000, maybe 18 to 1. I'd probably put him near the O'Connell Baina price range. So I'd probably put him in the like 19 to 1 range, give or take. So you can argue that there's some value on him no matter what. But I'll lean to Yibbing. I'm annoyed he's facing off against Ketchinato next match, but I do think just in general, Yibbing has the talent to maybe pull off a Cinderella run here. But that's going to wrap it up for the actual outrights for this episode. We're back with the lock and dog picks for the actual matches on either Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning. But before I actually get into any of that, kind of a quick word from our sponsor. 
We are brought to you by EdgeBoost. SGPN is excited to announce an exclusive early access partnership with EdgeBoost, the world's first bet now, pay later Visa card. Similar to bet now, pay later programs like Affirm and Afterpay, EdgeBoost enables you to double your bet with no interest and pay back the advance over four equal weekly installments. That's right, 0% interest. Simply deposit funds into your account and EdgeBoost will match the deposit so you can use two times the funds on any legal sports book. And Edge is currently offering up to $2,500 in advances as you re as you build a repayment history. But with the special offer, the first 500 SGPN users will start at a $1,000 advance limit, and the next 2,500 users will start at 500. Go to sportscampodcast.com slash edge to start to sign up today. That's sportscampodcast.com slash edge. Must be 21 or older to use only valid in legal gambling states. Problem gambler? Call one 800 Gambler. We're also brought to you by Shady Rays. Shady Rays is teaming up with SGPN for Shady May. Not only do you get an, an amazing 50% off deal, but you also have a chance to win $500. Shady Rays has you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized sunglasses and customizable snow goggles and much more. Shady Rays has durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. That's not all. They also have the most insane protection and in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. Wear your shaders of confidence because they have your back long after purchase. And if you don't love them, you can exchange them for a new pair or return them for free. Within 30 days, no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. And for our international listeners, Shady Rays has you covered with shipping to Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and the UK. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code SGPN for 50% off two pairs of power sunglasses. Then take your receipt to sportscampodcast.com slash Shady for your chance to win the $500 Shady May contest. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the two events over that's taking place over the next week in Lyon and Geneva. Now it's time for the actual lock and dog picks for the show. Starting off with the lock, I'm going to go to a matchup in Lyon taking place at around 5 a.m. So hopefully you get to listen to this podcast before the match, but it's only 1030 uh, p.m. Eastern time by me, so it should be uploaded probably around like 11 and change. So you still have a decent amount of time to actually get your bets in. But I am going to go with a matchup. This is actually taking place at 6.20 a.m. It's a matchup between Munfi and Katchen, and I'm going to give you a full disclosure here. I'm not a big Katchen guy. Straightforward. I think that he's a decent player. I'm not a big fan. However, what's the point of calling somebody an autofade if you're not going to autofade them? And Monfi, I've stated several times on the podcast, being absolutely cooked. And I know he's in his home country. I know that the crowd support's going to be large. But Monfi post-injury is just not an ATP caliber player. The serve is abysmal. The movement is compromised. Now, occasionally hit some power shots from both wings. But he's been a lot more hesitant to actually unload on both. And I do think, based on Monfi's current form... I have to fade him, and I think that Katchen being roughly a minus 300 favorite against him in Monfi's home country tells you all you need to know about the current form of Monfi, but I'm going to take Katchen to win in straight sets, or I'll take Monfi to not win a set at minus 110 on FanDuel. But to look at the recent form of Monfi, he's not even close. Looking at these matches here, so to go through his actual matches in 2023, Indian Wells lost to Thompson 6-3, 6-1. Played Shevchenko on hard court, lost in three. 
I believe Shevchenko was up a massive amount in the second set, and he choked it. Faced off against Umber in Miami, retired after six games, then switched over to clay. Played against Laheshka, lost in straight sets. Beat Furnace. Furnace got injured. He retired midway through the second set. But when he looked like he was going to win anyway. Played Dezumer, lost in straight sets. Played, played Murray, lost in straight sets. So, just to be clear here, the entire year, Monfi has only won two sets. He's been really underwhelming. And Katchen was not great in Portugal over the last couple of days. Did win a couple of matches. Beat Delian in straight sets, which is a decent win. Uh, but even before that, lost to Gurin in three sets in Rome. Gurin, we know, is a good clay player. In Madrid, he was able to beat uh, Tiafo And he lost to Struve, who made the Cinderella run. And that still went to three sets. So the point is, Katchen... I think he's in decent form. I'm not really a big fan of him as a whole, but I'm not going to call him on fee auto-fade material and then proceed to not auto-fade him. So my lock for the show is going to be catching to win in straight sets at minus, two, at minus a 110 on FanDuel. And for my dog, I am going to go back to Lyon, and I'm going to go with an earlier matchup taking place at around 5 a.m. on Tuesday. And it's going to be in a matchup between Purcell and uh, the wild card that I mentioned before, in uh, Yamas Ruiz. And for this matchup, I'm going to take Yamas Ruiz to win in straight sets at my, at a plus 145. You might be wondering, why would I want to take a guy that I've never heard of before? And simply put, I think it's really telling where the line's located that Purcell's about to get his ass kicked. Uh, to go through the actual rankings for both players, Yamas Ruiz is ranked 240th. Purcell's ranked 67th. So Purcell has a massive ranking advantage, roughly 140. Uh, uh, roughly 180 spots ahead of Yamas Ruiz. And yet Yamas Ruiz is around minus 200 to win the match. So you might be wondering why is that the case? And the simple reason is clay. And the fact is Purcell never plays on clay. So to go through Yamas Ruiz's recent performances, he's been pretty solid on the actual clay circuit in challenger events. Uh, and he's had some good wins against the likes of uh, some challenger guys. But the point is, I do think at the end of the day, He's very experienced on clay, and it's going to definitely pay dividends. He went through qualifying here, and I think that's definitely going to help him out with regard to this particular match. Purcell, though, has not even bothered playing a clay event, and he's been all over the hard court. We know that he's a Grand Slam winner in doubles, so he does play a decent amount of doubles. So he's not even a main singles guy anymore, but you're looking at his last match. He, he actually retired in South Korea, in a match against Vukic, he got one game into the second set and retired, and then he ended up not participating in his doubles match the day prior. So, it the day after, I mean. So, it does seem like Purcell might be battling an injury, and that was roughly uh, nine, ten days ago. But the point is, Purcell might enter this match below 100%. And once again, he has not played a clay match in a while because he's really just been only playing hardcore since that's his favorite surface, that or grass. So with Purcell's complete inexperience on clay based on recent matches and the fact that he might be battling an injury, I do think plus 145 is actually a very good price to take the Spaniard, the guy who's very comfortable on clay, the guy who's roughly 180 rankings behind Purcell, and yet he's still a massive favorite in this match, I think is pretty telling. I'm going to take Yamas Ruiz to win in straight sets at plus 145 as my dog. So once again, the lock for the show is going to be Katchen to win in straight sets against Monfi at minus 110. And the dog is going to be on Yamas Ruiz to win in straight sets against Purcell at plus 145. And that line's available on Bet Online. But that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Once again, a reminder, this is the 100th episode. 
Thank you all once again, but most importantly, you can still win a free gift card, a free SGPN merch gift card if you leave a review for the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or however you consume it. Just send me a screenshot of the review that you leave, and then I'll end up uh, picking a winner out of random, and I'll let you. I'll, I'll send you the code on Twitter. Or I'll find a way to send it to you, but the point is, it's free to do. And you can win yourself $50 in free merch from SGPN. But once again, you can find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We'll back once again later in the week. This is definitely a less important event. So we're going to wait until probably the semis to resume our tennis action. And then, of course, we're going to deep dive the French Open, which is going to be exciting. Maybe we'll get a guest for that. We'll see what happens. But the point is, thank you all once again for getting me to 100 episodes on the Tennis Gambling Podcast Couldn't have done this without you guys. Appreciate it. So thank you all, and good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.